Well, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Aaron, and I'm on staff here as the Alma Campus Pastor. Um, And we are in week two of a series called Ready or Not, which is all about change. Uh, But we want to take a moment at the start of this service um, and actually just give a little bit of an update on our Alma Campus. And so January 5th, there will be a brand new campus for Community Church, which is super exciting in the life of the church. Uh, it's, you know, as, as we're walking through, as I'm walking through Alma, as I'm meeting people, as I'm talking to families, uh, there is an electricity uh, around this new campus launch. Uh, just a couple stories. A few months ago, uh, there was a couple that uh, ran up to meet me after a service because they had just moved to Alma. Uh, they had spent about a month or two looking for a church and uh, were just feeling discouraged. They didn't find a good fit. And so they made the decision, reluctantly, that they would make the drive up to Mount Pleasant And the first church they found online was Community Church. And so they came on a Sunday, and it was a Sunday where we made an announcement that we were opening this brand new campus in Alma, and they were just ecstatic. They were saying, we need a church like this. We were so excited to have Community Church coming to our community. Uh, This last week, I was meeting a family um, down in in that neck of the woods, and I actually don't know their background. I was just kind of meeting them downtown, and I was telling them what what I was doing and uh, starting this new church, and they just lit up. And they said, Alma needs more churches. Before we even moved forward with what we feel God has led us towards with this brand new campus, uh, we did the math, and we said if you take all the churches in Gratiot County and you doubled their capacity, uh, and, and you invited people to come and be part of it, there would be thousands and thousands and thousands of people who would not have a seat to be able to hear about the message of the gospel. You know, in the community of Alma, uh, it's been a privilege to get to meet some of the other pastors, and there are some fantastic churches in that community, and our desire is to come into Alma to link arms with them and say, it's for the sake of the gospel that we are coming to this community. Uh, while there are some healthy churches, there's also, unfortunately, a lot of churches that are sitting empty, uh, churches that have closed in that community. And and what an amazing privilege to be able to bring the light of the gospel into a new place in central Michigan. This new campus, it's not about convenience. And, and, you know, convenience is a great thing for some folks. Hopefully it maybe shortens your drive or for people down in that community who have been coming up to Mount Pleasant. uh, Maybe it is a bit more convenient, but we are not launching this new campus out of convenience. It's about reaching people with the good news that Jesus loves them. That is the reason why we're taking this on. And ultimately, all the work going into it, the gospel is worth it. So this past spring, we made an announcement, and our first kind of stay-in-the-loop card, we said, would you consider attending this campus? And we had a huge response. There were all sorts of families uh, who were saying, hey, we are excited. We want to hear more about it. We want to learn more about it. Um, As we get closer to January 5th, which will be our first Sunday down in Alma, uh, we are looking for folks who are saying, hey, I am all in. You can count me in when it comes to Alma. And so in the seat backs in front of you, there are these little cards uh, that say, Alma Campus, count me in. Uh, And this is less of a convenience mentality, and this is for people, the Spirit of God is moving in your hearts, and you are saying this missionary mindset, uh, we are going to be part of this campus launch in Alma for the sake of the church, for the sake of the gospel. Uh, And if if that is you, if you're feeling that nudge, would you fill out one of these cards? Um, And we'll actually be making this ask a few times over the next few months. And so as you are praying about it, if you know the answer, you can fill it out today. There's baskets at the door. There's also a table out in the lobby where you can uh, come and ask questions about Alma. Uh, But would you be praying about this with us? Uh, The leadership uh, of this church are praying for about 150 men and women. 
um, to, that would say, you know what, this is going to be part of, our, um, part of our mission here at Community Church. Uh, a big part of this campus is the DNA of Community Church here in Mount Pleasant. We want to transplant there. And so that's going to require people who, who love this church, who are about making it welcoming, about making kids' ministry excellent, that are saying, we're going to go and we're going to uh, maybe be a little bit inconvenienced to help this campus launch. Uh, and if you're feeling a nudge in that direction, would you fill this out? This will help us know that we'll have people in the seats on January 5th, uh, which is incredibly helpful for us. So thanks for praying with us um, about this new endeavor. Well, we are on week two of a series all about change. Now, some of you love change. Uh, you can't wait for the next season to come around so you can change the decor around the house. You can't wait, you know, for something fresh. You get bored with the mundane. Uh, but, but most of you probably hate change. Uh, what, what's a good way to, to maybe check your personal preference when it comes to change? When you walk into your favorite grocery store and some mid-level manager has made the decision to change the layout of your grocery store and the chips were in a certain spot, it was a perfectly good spot and they've moved it to another part of the store, the dairy section has moved, uh, do, you have a, do you have an easy time with that? I know for some people, uh, my wife's in that group, uh, it's a hard thing when they change your stuff around. In the mid-90s, there was a bestseller book called Who Moved My Cheese? Did anybody read that book out there? Millions of copies sold. Uh, for those of you who um, are maybe a little bit younger, uh, before the age of smartphones, there was always a rack filled with reading material in the restroom. Do you have anybody ready to have that at your house? And so you'd fill it with magazines and books and whatever else. And in my house growing up in the 90s, this was one of the books that was on that rack. It was called Bathroom Reading, right? And so I've read it several times over. It was all about change. Uh, people have a hard time with change. This whole book was a bestseller because people were trying to learn how do I handle and adapt to change. We're talking about change during this series, but not just change for the sake of change. There is a truth that God is committed to changing you, that you can't stay where you are. It's not enough for us just to keep going through the motions and you know, stay, stay where we're at. And so God may move us to a place of being uncomfortable. And it's actually an act of love and a hope of changing us. So how do we change? Uh, what, what motivates us to change? To move away from a place of comfort into a place of being uncomfortable, which is probably not something that we would generally choose on our own. So this morning, my prayer for you over the course of this ser series is that maybe you would ask God, how is he nudging you in a, in a motion of change? Alan said this last week, and I thought it was so great. He said, uh, last week, would you resist the desire to resist? Would you fight maybe any tendency you have against change? And would you say, God, would you open me to what it is that you want to do in my life? Uh, last week, Pastor Allen kicked off the series with this topic of less is more. Uh, and repetition is learning. So uh, let's review. We have three shapes up here. Uh, this one represents less is more. This one represents stress is bad. And this one represents that tomorrow matters. And so repetition is learning. Would you repeat after me? Humor me. Less is more. Stress is bad. Tomorrow matters. Our hope is that these three simple statements will allow you to maybe retain or uh, take with you three simple things that God may use in your life to bring about change. 
And today is all about stress. And stress, actually after the last service, there were a lot of people who came up. Stress, I think, is something that most of us can relate to. Many of us are living in survival mode. I spent years working in youth ministry here at uh, the church. If you talk to Jeff, our youth ministry director, if you talk to Mark, our young adults uh, director, both of them would say they have people in their office every single day who are stressed out. Uh, I was uh, actually tucking my boys in this week and was telling them, hey, your dad's preaching on stress this Sunday. And my, my boys are 11 and 12 years old, and they're like, oh, I'm so stressed out right now. And I'm like, you're 11 and 12. What do you have to be stressed out about? Uh, stress, anxiety, worry. It's something we all experience. Many of you are sitting out there today and you're feeling overwhelmed. We, we had that moment of silence during worship. If I asked for a raising of hands, who was uncomfortable during that? We're not used to having just moments of silence in our culture. Personal stress is now at record levels. The CDC announced that recently suicide has now surpassed car crashes and death causes. The top seven stressors listed by Americans, uh, job, money, health, our relationships, poor diet, media overload, a lack of sleep, trying to find a parking space during second service at community church. <laughs> these, are, these are the stressors that we deal with every single day. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we, uh, we really went through a season of prayer and fasting as a church. And we were asking the question, God, what is the unique calling that you have for community church? And to begin that, we, we did a profile uh, where we, uh, we said, okay, who is, the, who is the key demographic? Who is like the person we're aiming for when it comes to Sunday mornings, as we think about sermons, as we think about ministries, as we think about missions? Um, and we, we drew up a profile, a snapshot of a typical community church family. And what we said is that they're married. Uh, they probably have about two kids. They're both working. Perhaps it's a second marriage. Uh, the family is busy. They're overcommitted. They're running from one thing to the next. Uh, they're running from soccer practice to board meetings. Uh, husband and wife are maybe passing off the kids as they jump from different obligations. They're struggling to find time together. They're grabbing fast food more often than they care to admit just out of necessity. They're crashing in bed at night exhausted. They're overwhelmed. They're stressed out. They're worn out. They're busy. And they are distracted. Does that sound like anybody in this room? This past spring, uh, our family had the privilege of being able to welcome uh, two girls into our house through uh, foster care. And uh, the exciting thing about this placement is that they're actually adoptive placements, and so the girls will soon be uh, little Moras. But uh, our lives were busy before, right? There, there is this, uh, I, you know, I, I thought we were able to manage the calendar. We were in a really good rhythm. We were pretty comfortable. Uh, and to say that this changed things uh, is putting it very mildly. And so even this past fall, uh, we're trying to figure out how to drop four kids off at four different schools during a very similar window. Uh, and we got it worked out. There's like kind of a bulletin board where we're trying to get things all over the place. Uh, but we are feeling stressed. Uh, my oldest uh, of, the, of my two daughters uh, happens to have uh, an individualized educational plan, an IEP with school. And so even this last week, uh, we're trying to juggle things. This last Friday, I'm out of town at an event. Uh, my wife is leading a, an event that's happening here in town. And so we had a babysitter that was going to pick up the kids. 
And sure enough, at the end of the school day, uh, my phone goes off, and I'm about 60 miles away, and it's the principal from the school. And she's saying, uh, you know, your daughter's just having a hard time. We don't know if we can put her on the bus. Can you come pick her up? And I'm like, no, no, I can't come pick her up. Uh, I'm like, my, my, she's like, well, can your, your wife come pick her up? I'm like, she can't pick him up. Uh, I was like, I can call the babysitter and maybe try to get it worked out. Uh, I stayed relatively calm, but inside I'm going, ah, like how am I supposed to manage all of this? I'm having conversations with families uh, here in our church. And the most consistent thing I hear when I ask, how is your fall going? It's busy. Uh, it feels busier than it's ever been before. People are running um, on empty. We're stressed out. We're distracted. You think about from a spiritual perspective, how are we supposed to hear from God when we're going a million miles an hour? Week two of our series, Stress is Bad. Stress is literally killing us as Americans. So let's actually start here with a scripture that I think is is a a beautiful summation of God's heart towards us in the midst of worry. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open with me to Philippians chapter 4. If you have a a smartphone or a Bible app, you can open that out too. Uh, I'm a big fan of writing in your Bible. I don't know what your philosophy is on that, but this is a great passage to be underlined. Philippians 4, starting in verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This passage comes with a stress management guarantee. It's absolutely guaranteed by God. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace. And it's not just a simple peace, it's a peace that transcends understanding. In a situation where it makes no sense for you to have peace, God says that he will give you a peace. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Thank God in all things. Keep your mind on good things. Be content on all things. It was out of that season of coming up with, you know, that key description of maybe who we're aiming for here at the church, that busy family, that we came up with a mission that we believed was from God, that our mission is to lead people into a life focused on Jesus Christ, that the focused life is actually uh, part of the answer to this problem, and that's what's described here. A life focused on Jesus Christ will allow us to weather stress. You may hear that verse and be like, well, that's easier said than done, Aaron. Like, I I know that. Uh, There's got to be something more to it. So here's three myths that I want to share related to stress. These are three lies about stress. Number one, the first myth is that you can live a stress-free life. Got bad news for you. I am yet to find someone who can find a stress-free life. In fact, like you could hole yourself off into a closet and not talk to people, and that'd actually be a whole different kind of stress that would come along with that. You cannot live a stress-free life. Uh, This last week, uh, I was laying in bed, and we had a crazy day, and we were kind of all over the place, and uh, kids were finally in bed. I was hitting the pillow. Usually, I have enough gas in the tank that like Kate and I will watch a movie or something, uh, but I was just, she could tell I was toast. And I'm laying there, uh, there's a lot of things going on, and so I'm, I am honestly wearing my stress in a way that I just feel it on my chest. 
And my wife can tell, hey, Aaron, you're stressed out. And, uh, and my wife's an amazing woman of God. She, she says, she can sense this, and she says, hey, Aaron, uh, you're preaching on stress this Sunday, and you are, you are obviously stressed out. What do you call that? And in a little sheepish voice, I say, ironic. <laughs> and I pull the blanket up over my head right in that moment. Uh, you're going to face stress in life. It's inevitable. Uh, you cannot avoid stress. Number two, second myth, all stress is bad. It's actually not true. According to experts, stress is a burst of energy that basically advises you on what to do. In small doses, stress uh, has many advantages. For instance, uh, stress can actually help you face certain challenges and motivate you to reach your goals. Uh, stress actually might help you accomplish tasks more efficiently. Stress is also a vital warning system in our bodies. It produces a fight-or-flight response. Uh, when the brain perceives some kind of stress, it starts the flooding the body with chemicals like epinephrine and cortisol. This creates a variety of reactions such as an increase in blood pressure and heart rate, plus the sudden, your senses suddenly have a laser-like focus so you can avoid physically stressful situations. In fact, there are a number of health benefits with a little bit of stress. Researchers believe that some stress can help to fortify the immune system. Now, stress can improve how your heart works and protect your body from infection. And so there is such a thing as healthy stress. It's not enough to just try to cut it out of your life. In fact, God made you uniquely to be able to handle stress. Myth number three. If you are stressed, it means you are not trusting God. You know, I think about this week and, you know, just my, my honesty in saying I was feeling a little stressed out. Thank God that he has patience with us when we are still feeling overwhelmed. And I think most of us know men and women who are strong faith, believe that God is able, and still find themselves in circumstances where they're stressed. And so I don't want to hear this and think that if you're feeling overwhelmed that you have failed or that you just need more faith, although that might be part of the answer. Uh, I want to encourage you, though that there is a better way to live. And Jesus actually had a lot to say on this topic. And so I want you to think through uh, your lens of your life right now and ask the question, what do you stress about? What brings you the most stress? Uh, when you put your head on your pillow at night, what is, what's keeping you awake? What are the things that maybe are bringing you worry or anxiety? Uh, Andy Stanley a few years ago made this statement, and I absolutely love it. Uh, he said, the things that you are most devoted to are the things that will determine what you stress about. So the things that you are most devoted to are the things that will determine what you stress about. And so if you, the thing that you worry or stress about the most, at its base level, that is the thing that you are most devoted to. And that might seem kind of simple, right? Like, we might think of stress as more of an emotional or circumstantial thing, but what drives your worry? What was the thing that immediately popped in your mind when you thought about stress? And that is the point of your greatest devotion. Just as a point of illustration, this may sound bad because I'm a pastor and all, uh, but I'm only five months in, so there's a little bit of free, freedom leeway there. Uh, just a bit of a confession um, I do not stress about your job. 
Uh, now, do I care? Uh, of course. Like, if you're going through a stress at work, if, you are, uh, if you're going through a job loss, if you are worried about employment, like, if you tell me, I'm going to be concerned, I'm, I'm going to pray with you, I will do whatever I can to help you. Uh, but do I stress about your job? No, because I am not devoted to your job. As long as I'm confessing up here. Uh, I never, ever worry about your kids' grades. Do I care? Of course I do. I hope your kids are successful. I hope they eventually leave your house and go on and become productive adults. Uh, But do I stay up at night worrying about how your kids are doing? No, because I have never personally devoted myself to your kids doing well in school. Am I worried about your retirement? I'm not, and it's not because I don't care. I hope it works out for you. I hope you can retire early. I hope you got plenty of money in the bank. But I have never stayed up at night worrying about your retirement because I have never devoted myself uh, to the question of, are you going to retire comfortably? So my stress and my worry is tied to the things that I am most devoted to, The things that you worry about reflect your core devotions. So here's here's what I want you to take away from this. What if, what if you shifted your devotion? What would happen to your stress uh, if you shifted your devotion to something that is better? What kind of change could that produce? Uh, What would happen to your worry? Alan finished the message last week with a a modern-day parable of a man who spent his entire life just trying to acquire more stuff. And actually, as he shared that story, there are certain messages where you just see everybody's head kind of go down, right? It's a convicting kind of message. And uh, but as as he's sharing it, it it comes to the end, and you know all the things that the world calls successful. um, It says that God actually uses a different word. He says the word fool. And that modern-day parable actually comes from a parable from Jesus, from Luke chapter 12. Uh, and if, if you haven't read it, Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13, is the story of the rich, young fool. And immediately following this is actually a passage on what we're talking about from Jesus that I want to lean into today. So again, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, if you ever see a therefore in Scripture... From Jesus is because he's, he's going to answer exactly what immediately preceded it. And so if you want to know what he's saying, therefore, for, read the section right before. This is following his story about life being more than our possessions. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or about the body, what you will wear. Jesus is addressing the specific needs of the people that are in his audience. Uh, this was a hand-to-mouth society. They didn't have refrigerators They didn't have mire down the street. And so uh, you wake up, you're hungry, you're literally thinking, what am I going to eat today? What am I going to wear? And Jesus says these important things, do not worry about that. Today, uh, if Jesus were speaking to us, he would probably have a different list of things that they shouldn't worry about. He'd say, don't worry about if you're going to be able to retire when you want. Don't stress about if your kids are going to get into the right schools or be successful. Don't worry about if you're going to be single your entire life. Don't stress about your health. Don't worry about your life. And, and you may ask, like, Jesus, are you saying that those things aren't important? That's not what he's saying at all. 
He's not saying that they're not important. And there's certainly, if you look at any of those categories, there's uncertainty in those areas. Uh, But there is a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow and not worry about it today. That is the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us. He says, stop worrying. Continues in verse 23. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. He pulls us out of this hyper-focused stress on on a circumstance or situation. And he says, is life not more than retirement? You may say retirement's really important, right? Like, I want to make sure that I'm able to, to be comfortable. I want to make sure that I have what I need to pay the bills. And again, is your life more than that, though? And you, if you're honest, you'd probably say yes. Is life more than just trying to keep up with the Joneses? And sometimes we obsess on that next purchase, on that next thing, that next place that's going to put us into a place of comfort. Is your life more important than those things? 100%. Is your life your health? No, your health is a part of your life. Is your life your marriage? No. If we're honest, we'd answer life is more than all those things. So Jesus here, he's teaching us how to not be stressed, how to not worry. And and what he wants us to do is to pull back and to gain some perspective. And then in verse 24, how insensitive is this? He then says, consider the ravens. Consider, and in Matthew, it's the same discourse. He says, consider the birds of the air. And you're like, Jesus, I am way too stressed out to be thinking about the birds in the air right now, right? In fact, I read this passage, and it makes me think of uh, uh, an amazing woman who's on staff with us. Uh, Amy Durfee is our director of Kid Life Ministries. And you want to talk about someone who loves Jesus and sees something beautiful in creation is going to stop everything she's doing and just take it in and give all glory to God that is Amy Durfee, 2AT. And I'm thinking of this, though. Most people would say, I'm way too busy to be looking at the birds, Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? I got to worry about my kids. I got to worry about my schedule. I got to worry about my job. I got to worry about if I'm going to have a place to eat tomorrow. I got to worry about all these different things. Look at the birds. Are you kidding me? And Jesus, he's not discounting the importance of any of those things. But I think what he's saying is that you are so hyper-focused on those things. And your focus follows your devotion. And your devotion follows your emotions. And for some of you in this room, you look at it all, and it's just a giant mess. And Jesus, I think his heart breaks in those situations, and he says, he's just trying to give us some advice. He says, the birds do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? So again, he's speaking into their particular context for these uh, these men that he's speaking to. He says says they don't sow or reap. They don't have a barn. If he were to speak into our modern context, he'd say, look at the birds. They don't have 401ks. They don't have college educations. They don't walk around worrying about their kids wearing helmets and being safe and not making chances. The birds don't even try. They don't have any plans. Uh, they, They just make their way through life. They just go with the flow. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Don't you think that you are more valuable to God than a bird. 
Next, give me a little verbal feedback. Do you think that God cares more about you than birds? Yes, he does. Of course he does. And this is significant because Jesus is saying, don't stress. You can face uncertainty and not stress. It's not that those things aren't important, but that you can trust in a bigger God. You can face uncertainty with a job and not stress. You can face uncertainty wondering if you're ever going to find someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with and not stress. You can face uncertainty with your children and not stress. And it's not being in denial. You can have uncertainty and not worry at the same time. Jesus' point is not to be irresponsible and hope that it all works out in the long run. Don't hear that from me. Uh, Set goals. Work hard. Use the gifts that God has given you. Plan ahead. Do your best. But after you have done your best, I want you to step back and say, God loves me so much more than the birds. And I don't need to worry about things that I have no control over. He finishes this this statement with verse 25. And he says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Can you, by stressing, bring certainty into tomorrow? Uh, If your worry isn't going to get you anywhere, here is an idea. God loves me more than he loves the birds. And if God loves me that much, and I've done everything in my power to uh, help and be successful in the things that I have control over, God can be trusted in the tomorrow that I don't have control over. So I'm not going to worry. And I'm not going to worry because I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I actually have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But I'm not going to worry because I'm trusting the only person who has a say in what tomorrow brings. So as we finish today, there's four quick habits uh, that as I pulled my blanket over my face this week, I was not following. But these are four habits, I think, that to pull from what Jesus just said, things that can change our life um, and, and align us to being able to listen and adapt to change. So here's the first habit. Number one, pray. I've been working with my sons on, um, you know, I think they'll often pray with us as a family, but I've been working on their own personal prayer life and uh, trying to build that muscle inside of them. Uh, You look at the example of Jesus, and Jesus, throughout his ministry on earth, he was God himself, but would not compromise as people vied for his attention, as people were wanting a piece of him, as people were wanting uh, him to come and help them. uh, Jesus would not compromise on his prayer life. You read over and over and over again in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus retreated to pray. Yet there's something so vital in the life of a Christian when it comes to prayer. And in moments where you're feeling stressed out, a great way to gain a God orientation, a focused life, is to just take time to pray. Number two, to meditate on the Word of God. Again, I'm a, I'm a fan of marking up your Bible, like making notes in there, uh, talking about things that are happening. If you're a journaler, I'm actually not a great journaler. I always try to be. Uh, but, you know, taking time to go through, highlight scriptures that speak of God's truth and put that over your life. Uh, the number one way that God reveals himself to mankind is through his word. And so if you don't crack it open, how are you going to know what God is trying to say to you? Uh, I encourage you to build this, this sense of saying, okay, when I'm stressed out, I am too busy not 
to spend time in God's Word. Number three, to adapt. Uh, it was actually, saw a, uh, a story recently that was actually from a few decades ago. Uh, and in the country of Israel, uh, there's a huge migration that happens a couple times a year where hundreds of millions of birds are making their trip from Europe down to Africa for the different seasons that are through there. Uh, and in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, in Israel, there was this, uh, during this period of time as these birds were coming through, uh, there were just a, a, a huge number of plane crashes, of collisions with these birds. Uh, and so to address this problem, they tried every solution under the sun they could think of. Uh, they created these crazy sound cannons uh, that would kind of usher the birds away. They tried to train dogs to go after the birds, and they all had mild success. The statistics were still alarming, uh, until one gentleman... Um, had, had just a crazy idea. He said, you know, God has put it in these birds to travel at this time. Uh, we're not going to be able to, to change that. Um, and so for this period of time, uh, let's just adapt. Uh, let, let's change our flight patterns to be at a different elevation. Uh, let's, let's go in the direction of the birds to where we're able to see them coming and there, there's less of a direct collision. And as a result of this adaptation, uh, the collisions just completely plummeted. They, they went way down. Uh, there, are, there are times in life that are just going to be busy. Uh, things that you don't have control over that are going to come into your life circumstantially. Uh, and I think the question is, as men and women who love Jesus, how are we going to adapt to those things? And say, okay, I'm going to put certain things on hold. I'm going to be smart, smart with my time. I'm going to prioritize uh, to be able to adapt to what God wants to do in and through me in any circumstance. And then number four, uh, this is a hard one for me. Fourth habit, let things go. Uh, again, trusting in a God that is infinitely able to control things more than we're able to control things. Release things that stress you out to God. So as we get ready to close, would you stand with me actually right here, just in a heart of prayer? And if you feel comfortable, would you put your hands out and just kind of palms down out in front of you, right where you're at, and then close your eyes. And right now, I want to do an exercise that's, again, in this heart of prayer, this, this statement of dependence on God. And so with your palms down, I want you to mentally release to God all the things that are bothering you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's uh, things that are happening at school or a sports team, a friendship or a relationship. Maybe it's a family dynamic. Right now, let go of all the stress that you have carried in here with you. Anything else that is bothering you, whatever is causing you to worry or be anxious, let it fall into the hands of Jesus right now. Simply let it go. And remember that he is in control of everything. That Jesus has everything. That the weight of your life can be released into his care. And now turn your hands, palms up, right in front of you. And as a symbol of our desire to receive from God, ask for whatever it is that you need. If you need wisdom, ask Jesus for it. If you need direction, if you need healing, if you need forgiveness, guidance, if you need peace or love, Right now, ask Jesus for it. Open your heart and mind right now to, to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to replace that worry and replace that stress 
with trust. In the book of James, uh, it tells us that we actually don't receive because we have not asked. And so it's time right now to ask and to receive. And God, we say that you are good enough, you are strong enough, that we love you. So Father, right now with this posture of just being open-handed, we want to receive from you today. God, would you give us direction? Would you give us motivation? Would you give us courage to change? And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Now open your eyes and repeat after me. I believe believe that God loves me me more more than birds. Have a great week.